It's the Higher Side Chats Podcast, but you can call it THC. Always talking fringe ideas, digging up conspiracies. Stuff they don't want you to know, it's the stuff we want to see. That's life here on the Higher Side. It's the place for me, it's my favorite show, where the guests are great and my mind gets blown the Higher Side. your glass and toast to call with the host on the higher side chat show that's life here on the higher side chat hello 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 higher side chatters welcome to the first joint session of the podcast format variety. I'm sure most of you are aware I started the Zoom Room chats two years ago as a way to add something to the monthly THC Plus offerings. That would be in a video form for once and would also fold audience participation back into the mix. Something different. And I did enjoy them a lot, especially when we really got going there and we started to have regulars. We started to get most of the people who would call in on video with me, and we'd often share a smoke or a drink, and it was just a really good hang. My favorite part still was people calling from work, which happened surprisingly often. But we're switching it up for a lot of reasons, mainly because they just aren't popular. A very small amount of Plus members actually check them out, but also the feedback I got from them was not so much negative, But the most common ask was, can I get this as a podcast? And I get that. As a subscriber of other podcasts, if it's not something that's in my RSS feed, I'm probably not going to take the time to go and access it. But other feedback would be, I had my hand up for 40 minutes and you didn't pick me, or you pick the same people every time, or I'm in the UK and I'm never available when you do these, or I'm a plus member and you let too many free listeners talk when I wanted to talk. That's the sort of thing I'd hear way more often than, hey, that was really cool. I'm glad we did it. (laughs) And so, you know, those things stack up. Also, I would hear that people have stories to share, but they're too nervous to do it on a live stream. That came up a lot. So this new structure solves all of those problems because it is in your RSS feed now like a regular podcast and using the forum for the audience engagement means you can write in at your leisure rather than being here at a specific time. I can decide what to pull out of it so we'll make sure a few people don't over dominate it and free listeners don't have access to the forum so it will always be our inner circle plus people who are contributing. I never really thought about a lot of these issues when I started Plus, but I can understand how someone maybe feels entitled to get on the joint session because they pay the price and other people I call on say, you know, I've never been a Plus member, but I'm thinking about it. Like, that's probably frustrating. But to me, this does solve everything. Even if I think... Some of those criticisms are a little nitpicky personally. They still 
go away with this format and all we really lose is the live aspect. I thought live was fun, but I'm also not my best on the fly. That's clear. And nobody really is. An edit here and there is something even the best of us could benefit from. Some of my colleagues just don't want to deal with the hassle. But it's been part of the THC recipe forever, so why fix what ain't broken? So not only do you get a better me, but I can do these whenever I have the time. It was starting to happen more and more often where something would pop up for me last minute, or my allergies would be really bad, and it's just better to have flexibility. I've always thought that. We're on the internet here. Why are we not doing everything on demand for everyone's convenience? <laughs> so I just violated my own rule with the joint sessions, but here we are. And I guess joint sessions is still an appropriate name because I am going to be pulling out the stories and the theories and the experiences that you guys post in the joint session forum thread. But I'm also going to fold in the Q&A forum thread, which gets a lot more volume, but I haven't been able to do a Q&A bonus show in a long, long time. So it's a way to combine both and maybe throw in some of my own stuff that just doesn't fit on the back end of any regular episode. I like them to be self-contained. I like them to be focused on a certain subject. So sometimes adding my thoughts at the end, if it's not really on point, feels shoehorned in, and it, it takes away from the whole thing, I think. But that said, this first edition is going out to everyone, free and plus listeners, just to communicate the change to all you guys. So nobody is in the dark as to this change in structure because I will get a lot of emails about it. And I doubt it's enough to get anyone to actually sign up for Plus, but there will be something like this every month on top of the other shows. So if you are interested in other listeners input or want to engage in the Q&A aspect or just want to hear my DVD style director's commentary on whatever happens to be our show lineup for that month. This is it. <laughs> okay, so to dive into what is in the forum, which isn't a lot right now, any new process takes a bit of time to warm up. So maybe for the next one, let's fill it up a bit more, you know, help me help you. Give me some stuff to relay and comment on. And also, if you ever had a Plus membership, even if you canceled, your login still works for the forum so you can still contribute. Don't forget that. It doesn't have to be active. But we did actually move the forum recently, so if you had it bookmarked or anything, it's now simply thehiresideforum.com. It was actually down a day or two while it was being moved, so that contributed to the lack of volume because obviously you have to be able to post to post. Now, <laughs> getting to the actual joint session thread. Edifix asks, what is going on from your perspective with seven questions? They say, looking on from the outside, it seems like they're trying to implement so much stuff at the same time. I agree. And I guess we'll go through it one at a time. Number one, mandatory vaccine. Well, that's the big one. Yeah, that seems to be coming. And the rhetoric around it grows every day. Seems like a lot of Hot spots are winding down, but the control measures are getting more severe, which is weird and telling, if you ask me. That's why I think it's so important to just work for yourself 
Maybe they can take travel away from us, air travel. But if you work for yourself, it's hard for them to say you need the vaccine to go to work and interface with the public, which I do think they're going to do. Number two, mail-in ballots for easier ways to cheat in the future. You know, this is a funny one because to me, the elections are controlled and have been controlled. So when they talk about mail-in ballots being easier for cheating, it implies that traditional voting methods are secure. And I just don't believe that. Trump seems so against it. And I would guess that's because he's got the Cambridge Analytica people and he didn't make these deals for digital manipulation just to have the damn thing handled by the post office. Who endorsed Biden, by the way, which also just feels like bad form. If we're supposed to rest the whole election on the shoulders of the post office, they should at least pretend to be neutral. I mean, Diebold makes a lot of the voting machines. What if they endorsed a candidate? That's kind of fucked up. So mail-in ballots, I'm not that concerned about because I don't think it really makes much of a difference when it comes to the integrity of the election. Number three, Ghislaine Maxwell. Is she going to out Trump in critical weeks before the election? Mm, I doubt it. He wished her well <laughs> for a reason, I would say. Although I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of careful planning over how her disclosures will come out and who they're going to fall on. I think the deals are still being made, but she could probably tilt the election one way or another by being selective and partisan with her reveals. I do think she's in a power position right now, more than the media is going to admit. If you look at what she was actually charged with, it was very mild compared to what she's actually done. She was charged with enticing a minor across state lines for sexual purposes during the specific years of 1991 to 1995. It seems tame. It seems like we got to charge you with something, lady. And then when we do, you can then turn state's evidence or you can cooperate and you'll get a sweetheart deal. And that quote unquote cooperation is going to be how do we cut around the right people and take out our political enemies with the information you have? That's kind of what I think is going on. I don't know how it'll shake out, but I think she's been playing ball with the FBI for a long time. Where's the perp walk video? Where's the mugshot? You know, there's a lot of theater going on and she holds a lot of power. For the masks being mandatory, they say, not yet here in Finland, but some talk about them this week. Even the THL, our CDC, says they don't work. We should just use them as a reminder to fear COVID. Well, I mean, number one was mandatory vaccines. So if number four is mandatory masks, I've been living with mandatory masks in public spaces for a while here in San Diego. It's not nearly as big of a deal to me because I'm not worried about this thing. I'm not living in fear. So yeah, I throw a bandana on, I walk in, I walk out, I get what I need, no problem. I hate it, but I'm not looking to draw attention to myself and get into some weird conflict with some radical person. And people say, well, where does it end? For me, it ends at vaccines. I will not get one. 
I'll wear a mask, but you're not going to inject something into me, especially not these people and these companies that don't have the best track record with safety studies and doing things for the common good. Number five, hydroxychloroquine ban. I doubt that. People in the know are using it successfully, and I think they're content just to keep it out of the news and confuse the masses on it. The damage control has done its job just fine, I would say. Number six, Trump delaying the election. What happens if that happens, in your opinion? Well, Chris Knowles definitely thinks that it can and will happen. I wouldn't be surprised. I guess I agree. I'm not too worried about it, except that each side is so convinced that if they lose, it's because of cheating, that that makes a real recipe for rioting no matter what happens. So I'm just going to focus more on my local elections because they're actually pretty hard to get good information on. And I think it's very important if you have a local candidate who is resisting the smart city thing or 5G or these smart streetlights that record all the video and audio that's going on, you should know about that and you should try to support that candidate. I think this year has shown us that your local government makes a big difference when big operations are going on. So worry less about Biden and Trump and more about that. Seven, social media bans people every day for nothing, really. Yeah, that's a concern. And I assume it's going to continue. Probably going to happen to me eventually. I don't care about social media. I am lucky to be in the position that I control my own website and. I try to urge people to go there to get my content, and it's just like the old days of the internet. That's what we used to do. We used to go to specific websites. If you didn't know about it, then you didn't know, and then we let social media corporations become the middlemen between us and our own audiences, so when your 60,000 Twitter followers don't know why you don't post anymore, there's no way to contact them. There's no way to email them and say, hey, we're all doing this now. It's important to not let other people get between you and your audience if you are a content creator, because this is your baby. This is your money. You know, it's important. And P.S., they say, also about the union of the unwanted. Are you going to set your free version of the show up on Tommy G's website? Are you going to join them when they are live again or not? Uh, Yeah, I actually did. I think they've gone and done three or four shows. I've been on two of them. The Union of the Unwanted, for people who don't know, is a big collection of alternative media personalities and podcast hosts who have come together, mainly to brainstorm and try to support each other in the face of these social media bans and deplatforms. I have joined, like I said, a couple of the calls, and I'm thankful to have been included. But as I told them recently... We're all sort of doing our own thing. Some people have podcasts, some have YouTube shows, some do audio, some are doing video. So there isn't a blanket answer that's going to work for all of us. We can't all just go to a certain platform. What I proposed, just to keep it simple, is that we all keep doing our own thing, but we have a loose agreement amongst the people in this union that if any one of us is deplatformed or kicked off by any of the big guys, we put the word out to the little email thread we have 
and then we agree to make a mention of it on all of our shows. Nothing huge, but just a little, hey there guys, Sam got banned from Twitter again, find him here. Or something like that, because the worst part of getting kicked off from something, because I've been put in YouTube timeout and I've been put in Twitter timeout, the worst part is losing all the people that you're connected to and just having no way to communicate with them. So this would turn a negative into a positive almost, because yes, you lose your Twitter, but your colleagues all give you a short plug and inform our larger conspiratorial community that you got hit. It's a little bit of a silver lining, right? I thought that was a simple and fair solution that would work for everyone, no matter what their format is. So the guys who came back in that thread and said that they'd be down to do that for me, I will do that for them in return if it comes to it. But I don't think I'm going to post THC any new places because I've built this system where Facebook, Twitter, and even YouTube are of limited importance, and I will just use them until I can't anymore. And as long as I'm connected to my plus people and they know that the website is where it's at, we should be fine. And as I've said before, I will send you CDs in the mail if I have to. So maybe we do need that post office. But I'll definitely join the Union of the Unwanted swap casts when I can. But there's like 20 people on the call, so it's hard to get a word in really. And I don't know. It's a great thing they're doing, trying to be less vulnerable in general. And I like it, but I don't know if we need to release these kind of shows all together when we could just have this private agreement to not let any of us get completely blacked out from communicating to the larger audience. And uh, so moving on, the only other real thread starter in the joint session thread was No Idols, who says, it could be really nice to talk about how to make the best of the state of the world, given how extreme things are getting on a material and metaphysical level. How have you been dealing with things? which of course is more of an open question. So if you'd like to talk things through with him, hop on that forum and get engaged. As for me, I'm doing all right, all things considered. I am worried about the future, but I'm positioned pretty well compared to any other job I ever had. It would have been devastating to not know if and when I could work. Do I have a job or not? You know, that's the experience for a lot of people that I'm close with. And San Diego has so much to do with my mental health. Not the government, but the land, the area. The weather being so great all the time is such a huge factor because my buddies and I can go play frisbee golf. We could rent boats on the weekend. We can go snorkeling. We can take out paddle boards. We can get high and hike a mountain. And three fourths of our restaurants have found a way to operate outdoors. So, we can go out and eat and take the masks off as soon as we sit down. I just can't imagine being anywhere else. If you don't have the ocean and you have mosquitoes and humidity, that makes a big difference being outside. Sitting down for a meal in Missouri would not be so fun. So in certain areas of the country, that's probably a lot more challenging. My wife and I have about six couples that we're close with, and we sort of made a loose agreement to just see each other 
and hug and just not worry about it when we're together. We share joints and nobody has a problem. Although there are times when someone is, say, going to see a new baby in the family or something and they take a two-week time out, and that has happened here and there. These are uncharted waters, but outside of wearing a mask when I go into a retail building, I've gone out and done about as much as a person can. I didn't get to go take my big Peru trip with Gordon and see the shaman, do ayahuasca, but outside of being limited to just my city, I've had plenty of fun in 2020 on a personal level. My buddy and I were talking the other day, and we both agreed that even though everything really sucks, looking back since March, we've probably had as much fun as people can have in 2020, and I'm content with that. I'm not afraid of a virus. I'm not saying I couldn't get sick, but I don't seem to be in any of the categories in which that would be a very bad time for me. So mentally, it's just about some annoying compliance things. I wear the bandana for a mask, as I said, just because I want it to be the least troublesome for me. And who cares if it doesn't offer great protection, so to speak. So we can't change the world. We can just maneuver ourselves through it however feels best for us. And in my personal life or during my day to day, it's best to just ignore it and have some good laughs with good friends or at least try. With each month, more fear tends to just melt away to the point that these six couples, I'm sure over half would resist getting a vaccine now because they'd probably see no need for it. Me and my wife, of course, will never do it, but the rest really isn't my business, right? Your body, your choice. So that's that. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's add some more stuff before we do this again next month. But if we jump over to the Q&A thread, Yael writes, All the hard and great work you've put in has made THC one of the most interesting conspiracy podcasts with consistently good and ideologically varied guests and just a great environment for sharing ideas. Well, thanks. I wonder what you see for the future of THC. Do you plan to become a part of conspiracy events or expanding the type of content you provide? I'm just curious as to how you see your role in the general conspiracy community and if you are looking at ways to get more people involved. Thank you for the great content and information. Your podcasts have been really valuable in seeing through new lenses and challenging my positions. Dude, <laughs> too kind. Thank you right off the top. But I do plan to just try and keep doing what I do and maintain a high quality and high variety, as you said. I know a good sliver of our audience thinks that I really stepped in it with the Angela Davis show and with the Smith and Hattery episode right on top of it, policing the black man and policing black bodies, really similar stuff there, I know. And I was originally going to really unload over this issue during this solo show, but as time has passed, I'm kind of over it. You know, if you go back, we did two shows first that looked at the George Floyd situation as pre-planned bait for the outrage. We looked at all the curious details with Stuart Bramhall and also mentioned it with James Corbett and I think at least one other guest. So once we did that, 
I got some feedback to the effect of, hey, this event might be staged, but people are protesting much more than one killing. Things have been unfair for a long time, and they use the criminal justice system as a weapon against black people. That's a staple in this country. And I really do agree with that. I don't think murder by cop is the best evidence of it. I would cite the war on drugs, the harsh punishment for crack compared to cocaine, which was pumped into black communities, racial profiling, racist prosecutors. It's all slanted against them. And so I thought, yeah, we already covered how this George Floyd situation is fishy and how Black Lives Matter is really just a political organization. But I thought to just leave it there was to do a disservice to our darker-skinned friends. And if I looked back in the archive, I did think that was a hole in our game. So I wanted to fill that hole. And now it's filled. So I really did try to avoid the politically charged stuff in those episodes and focus on the other aspects of the criminal justice system and the slanted history and the dividing of the working class between black and white and having them fight amongst each other. And I did these shows not to keep haunting black people with the past, as some comments have suggested, but just to acknowledge, hey, you want a conspiracy? This is clearly one, and it sucks. And we should acknowledge it the right way and talk around the ops. But of course, I can't control what a guest says, so there is that. Maybe I should have pushed back more, but that's not really what I do all the time. And I in the case of Angela Davis, wanted to get to certain content that she covers. And so if I were to stop and push back on some specific cases, we wouldn't have got to that other content. And I thought that was more important. So I bit my tongue. Doesn't mean I always just blanket agree. And I hope that makes sense. When people say, Greg, you've become a cuck for Black Lives Matter. It's like, no, I already talked about how I feel about Black Lives Matter as a movement, as a donation collection apparatus that gets funneled into the DNC and heightens tensions and divides more than it does anything to help disadvantaged communities. And one last thing while we're on this subject, and then I'm going to leave it alone, but outside of just being generally shitty to me, the only point any critics have really made is to say... It's simple, man. Just look at the crime statistics. Black men are committing half the crimes, but are only 6 to 8% of the population or whatever. And I don't get how those people can't see that if black men are being looked at harder and facing harsher sentences, this is going to show in the crime statistics. If me and my buddy Darrell are both driving around with cocaine, but Darrell draws more attention from the police because he's black, then a quote-unquote crime is logged when he's caught but we both did the same thing. Scale that up. And I absolutely think the reason on paper black men commit more crimes is because of the law being way more up in their shit. We can't just say black people commit more crimes. And it actually was literally the first thing I asked Angela about. And she said, there is no way to know that but we could say black people get caught committing more crimes and face harsher punishments for doing the same thing as white people. It's that simple. Other factors would be poverty, a sense that the only way I can get ahead is to steal, hip-hop culture, glorifying criminals, a lot of kids not having good role models and looking to that hip-hop culture for guidance, the fact that we've let inner-city schools become decrepit. So you can't just look at 
crimes committed on paper because the injustices start before that step. Just because a lot of rich white people don't get DUIs doesn't mean a lot of rich white people aren't driving drunk. You know what I'm saying? I really am sick of talking about this issue and thinking about it after all the back and forth battles I've fought since those shows aired. Better to just let it go, right? <laughs> but man, this question was about what do I see for the future of THC and how do I view my role in the general conspiracy community way off track. Yes, uh, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And I've thought about going into the conference scene and building up a few presentations that I could give. I've certainly been asked, but I just don't think any presentation I put together would be that original. It would be built off of too many other people's work, and it just doesn't feel right. Even if I could make a couple grand here and there going to conferences with a Hollow Earth presentation or something, I'm just not sure that that's for me. I'm better in the background, and I'd rather be going to conspiracy-adjacent conferences anyway, like the Western A. Price Foundation or Aaron Murakami's Ether Physics conferences. More specific niche stuff, you know? I also thought about putting a book together, The Higher Side Guide to Life, if you will. What I've learned from 10 years in the game with lengthy chunks of my favorite interviews and that was something I was going to do this year. It's been 10 years. It's like an anniversary thing. But this year has been so crazy. It's like, do I write a book that doesn't mention coronavirus? I mean, how could it not? But then it's not from the very neat 2010 to 2020 era. So I'm not sure. I guess this is still my plan because I would like to get my best arguments down and become a better guest for other shows rather than shooting from the hip like I tend to do. And this book writing compiling process was going to be designed to help me with that. But I still think my role, if I know myself best, is that of a connector, quote unquote. And it always kind of has been. When my buddies come over, I've always got like four new songs I want them to hear, two new YouTube videos. I enjoy showing people stuff. I enjoy curating, I guess, and I think I'm good at taking a person's complex work, picking out the best parts, and crafting an interview that weaves us through those highlights. I'm a connector between the everyman and the brightest minds of alternative thought, sometimes people that are quite difficult, and my history in retail I think helps there too. I'm not going to try to elbow myself to the front of the stage. I'm comfortable being the Dennis Rodman of Conspiracy Podcast, and you know, the most assists, and also bad hair that I should have outgrown by now. And I hope that's okay with most people. We sometimes think we want more, but when people start doing things they aren't good at just to serve their ego or to make more money, I guess, they typically lose all the respect that they'd built up. So I hope that makes sense. The next question in line is also from Yael, who says, Mr. Carlwood, I have a suggestion for you. It's a great idea, but the labor involved is intensive, and you're probably going to want to get paid because it will take a good chunk of your week to transcribe the two-hour episodes. Well, if your idea is the transcriptions, I just mentioned I want to do that book thing, so I probably won't be 
transcribing episodes, unfortunately. But I hear you. It definitely would be a lot of work. And I also just don't know how useful it is. Do people actually want a full transcript of an episode? I think it'd be much better to have them condensed and edited down into a book form that just takes the best paragraphs from here and there and jumps from show to show. You can't do that in transcripts. Dirk Diggler, 2500, great name, asks about Trails in the Sky. I'm wondering if you or anyone else has noticed the spraying this summer. Where I live in New York, it's been practically every day, right before sunrise and sunset mostly. Well, maybe I've been distracted, but I actually haven't noticed as much spraying in San Diego this year. In fact, I would say I have noticed less. But again, I probably would have to spend some time actually reminding myself to look up. Actually, let's see. It's a clear one today, <laughs> but we probably all should remind ourselves to look up once in a while. Mm, now, here is actually a sad one. It comes from Eddie, and he writes, Hi, Greg. I am a longtime listener and a Plus member. I don't normally do forums, but I wanted to get in touch with you about the tragic passing of your former guest, David Crow. I don't know whether you kept in touch with him at all since interviewing him. I haven't. I've been listening to his Infectious Myth podcast since hearing him on your show. I downloaded his most recent show about a week ago and heard him giving news about his recent cancer diagnosis and the treatments he was trying. On his last show, published on the 7th of July, which was his third cancer update, he sounded painfully ill. After hearing it, I was searching online to see if there had been any updates from him since then. There is nothing to be found. I sent a donation and message to his website email this morning to give him my best wishes for his return to health. Sadly, his son Aaron replied to me today, letting me know my dad passed away four weeks ago from his short battle with cancer. I asked him if I could pass this message on to you to give condolences on your show. As again, I have not seen it mentioned at all online, and he was happy with that. Anyway, love the show. Keep up the great work. <sighs> wow. And that interview just happened in March. On Gordon's recommendation, actually. That's how I found David. And I really loved having him on the podcast. His work is a great ongoing resource for pushing back on germ theory. He was a very smart guy, always focused on the data and did not shy away from addressing things head-on because he was so confident in his position. He even did at least one debate show with a doctor on coronavirus earlier this year. But it's just, it's really sad. He was a really unique person in this space. I'm lucky I got to interview him at least one time. Check out the Contagious Myth podcast and any of his work while you still can in honor, because I'd say he has a legacy to be proud of. And that's really the Q&A forum as well. And we can, I guess, now awkwardly segue into something I expected to be a little fun and cathartic, and that's reading some of the harsher comments I've gotten, similar to Jimmy Kimmel having celebrities read mean tweets. And this one isn't so bad, but the guy wrote it on the Smith and Hattery Policing Black Bodies episode on social media. Shows like this are what keep me from supporting THC. Every few episodes is very white man bad, and I think he's propaganda. 
Good enough to listen to every week, though. <laughs> I mean, wow, this is the sort of thing I get at least once a month, probably more, where someone says, I listen to every episode you do, but I don't like when you cover X, Y, or Z, and so I think you're propaganda, and I won't support you. <laughs> you're content to listen to propaganda week after week. You enjoy most of the shows I do, but you stop short of signing up for Plus. To each their own, but that's a very frustrating thing for someone in my position to read. If I had that person's IP address, I would say, cool, I'm propaganda. You can have that opinion, but you are also blocked from listening. I'm doing that for your own good. Let's just walk away from each other. Obviously, I can't do that, but if you think I'm propaganda, back it up. From who? Because I have a Facebook history that goes back to the beginning of Facebook. Not one that I'm proud of with pictures of me in college and all that kind of stuff. But there's certainly no indication that I've ever been anything than what I say I am. A regular guy who grew up in Missouri, dropped out of college, and had no options in life but to start my own thing. My dad was an accountant for a company that sold construction equipment. There's no connection to anything, anywhere. If you want to claim something, then prove it. It's okay to say that you think that I am wrong about some things. Of course, one uneducated guy doing all of this on my own might make some poor guest choices here and there. But I think I have a good track record for being a one-man band. And just because you disagree with me on a certain guest choice doesn't mean I'm connected to some group feeding me white man bad guests to pepper into the rotation. I'm not white man bad. I'm American Empire bad. I'm British Empire bad. I'm Capstone Cabal, which is mainly light-skinned bad. But I regularly say, we didn't trash the planet. Major corporations did. We, regular people, don't have the resources to do the damage the 1% does. But the media puts it on the people as a whole. And that's the bait and switch. But it really is just something people say so that they can listen without supporting me. Well, he's good, but he's not perfect, so I'll just listen to everything for free because who knows what he'd do with my $8. I don't know what I'd be supporting. It's like, I really hope these people are digging into the lives of their waitresses and their Uber drivers to make sure that their tips are going to be used appropriately because that's how they treat me, you know what I'm saying? For some reason, my whole life and show archive needs to be completely perfect yet we give tips to all sorts of people for way less, and they could be buying meth with your money for all you know. I'm just messing around, but let's do some rapid-fire ones. We have No Quarter for the Communist, Greg is a Cuck for Black Lives Matter, oh, and this was a good one, but earmuffs for those who are sensitive out there. I used to love THC. Then the faggot turned off comments. What a snowflake. <laughs> and let's talk about that for a second. I've had YouTube comments on since 2010, and I never cared what anyone said there. Well, I turned them off after Angela Davis. Why? Well, if you think it's for my benefit, it's not. Yes, it's refreshing to not actually have to hear all that noise. But it was all racist shit and slurs hurled at my guest that made me do it. I do not want to invite someone on this show, send them links to the uploads, and then have them see comments that drop N-bombs on them. That's super embarrassing, and I'm not going to let that happen. So now the comments are just off. I guess those people can go cry about it somewhere else, 
like on iTunes. So if we're going to keep with this negative comment theme, let's look at some recent reviews. For me, iTunes reviews are for rating a show as a whole. And when I see reviews that give the entire show a one-star rating over a single episode, that's kind of frustrating because those same people aren't giving me five-star reviews for the episodes they like. They take those ones for granted. But here we go. <laughs> One star titled decent dot dot dot, but they say, so I like your subject matter a lot, vast and diverse, but as with everything else these days, your attempt at a money grab is disheartening to say the least. You do realize that nationally syndicated shows like Coast to Coast AM charge less a month than you do, just saying, with an outrageously better archive and production value. Your opening soliloquies are fun here and there. Lately, though, I think they feel forced. But nevertheless, that's your shtick. Can't hate on it. Overall, I listen to every episode. Ding, ding, ding. Just won't pay for the second hour. It is a shame, really. Well, thank you for listening to every episode and giving me a one-star review. And well, if you want to call what I do a money grab, I would ask how many other people you know who do what they do for free. Do you work for free? You think George Norrie isn't getting a fat paycheck? I hope you reviewed Coast to Coast poorly because of all the ads they have. There's an ad break every 10 minutes, and they still charge for memberships. That's not a money grab? Huh. Let's go rapid fire again. COVID idiot, one star. Now he's on the coronavirus hoax stuff. What a jerk. Was good, crap now. Forum Borealis and Mysterious Universe are way better. Next one, unsubscribe. I've been a listener for years, but I'm unsubscribing after the string of woke BLM anti-racist guests. Okay, you could just skip them also. <laughs> Next, this podcast is stupid. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Well, I'm one person, so shows them how much you know about the show. But I will take all the blame for the stupid podcast. Another terrible episode. Keep spreading dangerous info, loser. Why did I even give you a second chance? See, again, a review that was triggered, apparently, by a single episode. But it is a hit against my show as a whole. Next person says, look elsewhere. Great, until you realize half the episode is behind a paywall. That's nice. Again, I hope you have a business so I can give you a shitty review on Yelp because you didn't do the work for me for free. Would that be fair? Next one-star review, not good. Everything about this show is terrible. Next one says, show has gone downhill. The show used to be about conspiracies, and now it's all about health concerns. Boring. <laughs> I think Greg is afraid of being deplatformed. Stopped listening. Well, that's nice loyalty, because deplatforming is a serious issue for people who are trying to give you an alternative view on things. It's nice to know you have absolutely no empathy for those concerns. And here's a fun one that I don't understand at all. Loved this show before, but it's too alt-right Trump lately. This was one of my favorite podcasts. Greg has become a MAGA sucker. Liked you, dude, for years. Tried, but placating to incel Trump tards has become too much to tolerate. Wow, like, is this even real? How is THC one of your favorite podcasts, but you think I've taken some alt-right turn? 
I just don't get that. The shill for BLM comments at least have a few shows they can source to make their point. I feel like I'm causing more friction with the Q crowd than almost all of my peers. Most shows I check out are either entertaining it heavily or trying to be neutral because they don't want to lose those listeners. So I think I've been pretty honest about that. The other day, someone sent me this video of a pardoning that Trump did of a black woman, Alice Johnson, first time drug offender, nonviolent. And they thought this was some kind of huge thing. But I see it as doing the bare minimum to try to appease these people who think he's some kind of savior. Why not pardon all first time drug offenders that are nonviolent in a big giant stadium? He could take the stage and talk about how he's lived a sober life because he had a brother that was an alcoholic and you know that not everyone had that same example to see in their life and people make mistakes and you want to rework the laws in your next term. But right now, all first-time nonviolent drug offenders are free to reclaim their lives because this should have never happened and you should have redemption. It would be one of the most powerful moments in American history. But of course, he'll never do that. Anyway, next one says, is this fun or is this just me bitching? But <laughs> regardless, says, Greg is a phenomenal interviewer. However, he is at Alex Jones level when it comes to using fear and manipulation to get people to join his plus paid level. It's a shame, too, because he's doing great work. And I understand everyone has to make a living. To me, it seems like he's knowledgeable, but uses it simply to attract members and doesn't actually care too much on a personal level. He also possesses a really dark worldview, which I am sure is to bait people by making them think they need his real info to fight back, or if he actually believes what he's saying. It's hard to tell anymore. Everyone in this field of research seems to sell out eventually, which is, at this point, one of the only ways to even talk about the stuff he talks about. I've cooled off on this podcast because of all the preceding reasons, but I try to just take what good knowledge I can and not be bothered by Greg saving all the real meat of the interview for his paid section. Lame. For me, helping people comes first. I'd much rather someone ask for donations than pull this bullshit. It's not right to say you care and then put all the important parts of the interview behind a paywall. He would easily make more money on a value-for-value value type donation system. Not true. Because I would support him for one, but so would a lot of other people who feel baited and manipulated into getting what's behind his paywall. The truth is the truth, and no one has a right to hoard it as their own. Well, boo-hoo. I actually did a value-for-value value model. I took donations for a long time. I even gave half back to a random listener. I don't know anyone who has ever done that. Maybe because it's probably illegal to run an international digital raffle and I shouldn't have done it. But I tried. I definitely tried. And it made a difference to people when it happened. And I've also brought this up before. But when I was doing a donation basis or a value for value basis, I had a few people donating large amounts of money, hundreds, in some cases, thousands. And they would give me guests they wanted me to interview. And that felt really sketchy. So you want to talk about selling out and being compromised. I was closer to it in those moments than I am now that I've democratized THC. I asked for eight bucks a month. It is a cocktail at a bar. I know there are guests we have sometimes who make it a point to say all the content they put out is free, but those are usually older people who have had a whole lifetime to make money and have had a career somewhere else 
and so they can do that. I tried other formats first. When I was most broke and most desperate, I tried to just do other things first, and it wasn't working. It's very easy to say that you would support me if I didn't have a paywall, <laughs> but then not do it when I do. And I've also said this, conversations naturally get deeper and more interesting, and it would be really awkward for the first hour to be paid. So it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do it any other way. And I would also ask those people who have a problem with my second hour, if you think I'm trying to screw you over, go and look at some of the lengths of the free show. I'm often putting an extra 10 minutes in because I want the guests to finish making their point and I want it to sound really good as a whole. I do that for the guest's benefit and for the listener's benefit. It doesn't help me. If I was that greedy, I'd do it the way I've seen some other shows do it, where they cut it right at an hour, right in the middle of a sentence sometimes, or they fade out when they ask their big provocative question as a tease to you. I don't do that. And I also resent the idea that I have a very dark worldview. I don't think I use fear to sell plus. Although sometimes I have mentioned that when a guest gets really extreme and talks about something that is maybe quite polarizing, I'm happy that it's just the inner circle because I could get deplatformed for some things, but it wouldn't happen if it was in the second hour. And I don't have to hear the feedback on something that's really controversial that they might say when they're comfortable. 90 minutes into a show. That's something I hear Crow say a lot. Free speech is only really unleashed in the paid portion of the show. I wouldn't say it's a sales tactic. It's just the way it is. Complain to the people that are doing the deplatforming, not those whose livelihoods are hanging out over the chopping block. The next one says, Cool guest, two stars. Loved that Dr. Stephen Greer was on the podcast. The host was kind of rude to him, though. Well, I got nothing really to say about that. But that is uh, the list of negative reviews just from the last few months. Of course, we do have a decent amount of good reviews peppered in there, too. They're just not as fun to read. For example, great podcast, five stars. Stephen Greer is kind of a dick. <laughs> he said it, not me. And one more, uh, three stars, which of course, three stars is like a bad review, right? It's got to be one or five. That's just the way the world works. Love ya, but Greg, you're hiding behind a paywall, so I'll say it here. The reason he manages to pronounce all those strange names so well is because he pronounces many of them incorrectly, not that he's wrong on the facts. <laughs> well, okay, I have no idea who you're referring to again, and you can keep your love if it comes with a hit against the show. Listen and enjoy it and go about your day. If you don't want to sign up for Plus, no problem. But take what you get, and at a minimum, just don't fuck me. Just don't trash THC on iTunes. <laughs> Was that fun? I'm not sure. I expected it to be more fun, but it kind of turned into a bitch fest, and I didn't really want that, and I'm really not that upset about it. But I guess it works. Maybe I just need to not comment on each one. But to quote the... Everwise, squeak Scolari. This is my job, you assholes. <laughs> I take these things a little harder now because everything is so volatile, and I worry about the economic impacts 2020 is going to have on our listeners. And my wife and I want to start trying to have kids next year. The shaman was supposed to be an ending to one chapter and the start of a new, 
and it probably will be, but those wheels are turning and THC has to work. I have no other option. But if I only cared about the money, as some of these people suggest, I'd be feeding people QAnon because that's the biggest trend in our culture right now. Yes, I did some flat earth shows because I was genuinely curious how that was getting so popular. And then some interesting points were made in Eric DeBay's 50 Proofs the Earth is Flat. But once it took over and drove a wedge through the community, I stopped and thought, wait a minute, this isn't just fun and games here anymore. This is going too far. And I tried to be like, all right, all right, let's get back to reality a bit. And I definitely would have avoided covering black issues in the criminal justice system if I didn't genuinely care. I wouldn't push back against MAGA people if I just cared about collecting money because these things cause me to get a slew of cancellations and one-star reviews. And I thought that might be coming, but whatever. It was an important issue to me. You think I covered policing black bodies because I expected a bunch of new plus members to rush in? Please. Now, the critics who have said that those criminal justice shows felt like something they could hear on NPR, I think that is a fair criticism. I understand that you are in it for something more provocative when it comes to THC, and to that I would say, noted. It might be too tame for the audience I build, and that's different than it being unimportant or inaccurate. So I have thought about that, and it's factored into every guest I put on the schedule since that first Angela Davis show came out. Phoenix Aurelius, Bruce Fenton, Josh Cutchin and Tim Renner, Chris Knowles, Sally Fallon Morell, and Derek Bros. And I will continue to keep that in mind. But the angle that I don't care about these things and I'm unwilling to challenge dominant themes in the conspiracy culture because this is all for a cash grab, I think I've made my case that that's not true. It's just my job, and I try to make it high level. This is all good fun because I am so, so lucky and I get much more positive feedback than negative. I get a whole lot of, hey, I've been listening since the GameStop days or I've been a plus member since day one and I don't see myself ever stopping. And that means so much. I am the same way with some shows I listen to. And so many of you guys are super generous and just cool people who enjoy the show. So I hope it helps. I hope it makes life a little easier. But you don't have to take it so seriously that something I said once makes you 100% sure that I'm in the conspiracy. Our guests bring some heavy and important information, but we have to be able to put it down sometimes for our own mental health. That is in the mix too. It is funny that some people have this impression that I'm milking my audience, sitting on a pile of money, but in my mind I'm thinking, is this too risky of a career to have a child? Can THC support a family for 18 years uninterrupted? It's like my thought process is night and day, but there is no precedent for podcasting. I guess there are radio hosts who have done it for 30 years, have had long careers, and that's kind of all I hope to do. Eventually, I'm sure I will try to do more, but I'm also proud and fulfilled being a connector for valuable researchers that I don't think get enough credit. <laughs> but I think that's going to conclude the first joint session podcast. I really hope it didn't come off as just a bitch fest. I just happened to do two polarizing episodes recently, and reading harsh negative feedback is something that I think I would enjoy if I was a listener. It's brutal, but it's also kind of funny. I'm guessing there will be less of that in the future because there will be 
more material in the forum to talk about rather than just the negative reviews, but we'll wait and see on that too. I hope you guys participate. I am sorry that we're doing it this way instead of the simple call-in, but like I mentioned in the beginning, it solves a lot of issues people were having with that format. I am so thankful for you guys. I will keep trying to do the best I can because I do value our exchange and I never want to take it for granted. I'm going to be putting some more money into the plus side of the website for a few requested features that I think will actually be useful. But I am well aware that if it ain't broke, we don't need to fix it. Learned that lesson the hard way when I worked with that shitty SEO marketing company last year. Which is another reason that I'm thankful that you guys were patient with me and kept the faith. I hope you're finding the right way to talk to people you care about about these serious issues. And we're going to do the best we can and we're going to get through this thing. But I got to go, people. Pottery Barn waits for no man. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the first joint session podcast episode. I'll be back with more sweet, sweet conspiratorial goodness before you know it. Take care. Evening, you higher side chatters. Give ear to Calwood over John B. or Nuri. And listen all to THC. Drinking a little drink, smoking a little smoke. Knowing all history to joke. From Titanic and Apollo to Dollar Sun. Hollow search Saturn's secrets around From chemistry to policy or quantum biology Don't forget the moon's render It's tip of the hat And Delano's fireside chat